Hey friends, welcome to the His Beloved of Texas podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Kendra, and we're two moms that live across the street from each other. And between us, we have 10 kids. We live life together, have fun, and we just want to share that with you guys. We are so glad you're here. On this podcast each week, we think everyone needs a little bit of hope. And we want to tell stories of hope, of how God has changed people's lives. He's shown up in good times and in hard times, and and He can show up for you too. All right, we hope you enjoy. Hey guys, I'm Megan. Welcome back to the His Beloved of Texas podcast. So today is kind of part two of last week's episode. Last week we had Ashley Dingler on the podcast and she told the story of the miracle of her daughter Edith, or baby Edie as we call her sometimes, and how Esther Caswell played a huge role in just meeting her where she was at the hospital and coming into the hospital in a place of grief and thinking that that was going to be a time to say goodbye to baby Edie. And instead, she felt a miraculous sense of she would survive. And Esther lives her life as someone who follows the Holy Spirit. She said to us the other day, It's so great to live in the will of God and to feel yourself in the will of God. And so I really felt like this episode needed to be kind of part two so that we could hear Esther talk about what is it like to live in the will of God, to live on his providence, to trust him, to go to places where the rest of us would be too afraid to go and to minister to people, to just be so open to his spirit that um, she sees people in pain and knows the Lord's heart for them and she can speak his truth to them and it's beautiful. So a little background on Esther. She's been on our podcast twice and you can go back and listen to those episodes and she was a Dominican sister who um, was stationed in a school in the Austin area and there was a, a little boy Um, in her school who died from drowning and his name was Alois and it changed her life forever and she tells the story of Alois beautifully on this episode and from that she felt like God calling her out of that ministry and into a new ministry and so now she is no longer a religious sister at least not at this point and she runs a ministry in Austin called the Loretto House and she ministers to mothers and specifically mothers who have lost a child. That's not her entire ministry, but it seems to be um, a recurring theme for her that she is called to walk through the cross with families who've lost um, children. And it's beautiful. It's much needed and it's beautiful. And she is so much fun, y'all. We have a blast with Esther all the time and she challenges us and she pushes us and she just keeps pointing us back to Jesus. She's incredibly humble and she would never tell you all these things I'm saying, but on this episode, she is very open with us more than she normally is. And she really felt the call to speak to the goodness of God through the work that he's called her to. And that was big for Esther. And, um, and I think Kendra and I both noticed like something special is happening here in this room right now. And I hope that you hear that. I hope that if you feel called, you might want to help Esther financially with her ministry because she truly does live on the providence of God. And 
she's changing hearts she's touching hearts all around the country around the world there's a wall in her home of babies who have been lost and mothers that she has ministered to and there's something there's just something beautiful about the connection that she's able to make with these women and 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 men too the fathers and the way that she's able to unite their sufferings to the lord and point them to jesus it's beautiful all right guys i hope you enjoy also before i go on Friday, we have our Advent Women's Night of Adoration. It's called Come Let Us Adore Him, and we would love for you to come. Uh, we still have tickets available at our website, hisbeloved.com, and it is by donation, and we would love to see you. It's from 6.30 to 9.30 at St. Vincent de Paul Catholic Church in Austin, Texas. All right, guys, enjoy. How are you? I'm good. Good. So um, we've been name dropping Esther a ton. <laughs> I think I told you this, Esther. And we have her with us again today. Yay. And I decided today that you are the guest that's been on our podcast the most. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Three yeah. times. Nobody else yeah. has been on three times. Wow. That's true. It's yeah. an honor. <laughs> I don't know the episode numbers, but go back and look for Esther Caswell. <laughs> There's two others. There you go. One yeah. each ep- one each season that we've had. Yeah. But yeah, every single episode we mention you. So yeah, Esther is here much. today. Yeah. Wow. I, How are you I, doing, I, Esther? I'm doing well. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about just the stillness of Advent as much mm-hmm. as it can be stillness. Mm-hmm. Um and kind of basically allowing that kind of excitement to come of yes, Jesus did come to save us. He is coming. Um and he will come. He is come. Mm-hmm. And he has come and allowing that to kind of be the framework kind of through which I live this season. Yeah. yeah. What are you um, working right now on for Advent? Share with everybody. <laughs> I think it's so cool. I, I really feel like um, in the season we're in, there's kind of this, I know, well, I'm from Canada and I haven't been able to really be back there. There's a lot of, um, it's a very kind of shut down country right now and mm-hmm. And also several other countries who kind of, the government has decided to not have Christmas. Like, you know, well, wow. Jesus will not come this year. And so I, I really felt called to to really dive into what Christmas is and, and the coming of the Savior. And so I'm actually building a life-size nativity scene for the front yard. I'm uh, kind of, I've been sculpting the head of Jesus and Mary and Joseph. And my desire is to have kind of a very inviting um, and beautiful scene and maybe even in the basket while we're waiting for Jesus have a place for prayer intentions so then oh, it's like oh. a prayerful scene mm-hmm. um, and so that's kind of what I'm working on right now we'll that's see what it becomes <laughs> it is amazing so is this your first time to sculpt a life-size anything yes uh, <laughs> usually what happens is I get an idea in my mind and uh-huh. then I use whatever resources I have to to produce it so Will yeah. the entire body be clay? No. Okay, just no. the head. So it'll be, I'm going to be, I finished the heads, um, and then they will be clothed like normal clothing, okay. and I'll be painting them, you know, life-size. So I was very we'll impressed see. with your, you sh- she showed us pictures a few minutes ago, and um, Jesus's little chubby face is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So sweet. So a little bit of a, you know, you want to do it right when you're yeah. doing Mary, Jesus, and Joseph, but. 
yeah. with the limitations of our own selves. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something I'm enjoying right now. Yeah. And can I tell y'all an awful story? Oh, please do. Se- segue. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. So we have had this beautiful sculpture of the Holy Family in our front yard mm-hmm. nativity scene for yeah. the last probably seven or so eight years. Pretty. And it was getting worn down, mm-hmm. and there were holes in the back, and it was, you know, it's made out of clay or whatever. It's breakable. And so Chad's like, Megan, I just don't think we can make it one more year. And I even thought, should we give it to Esther? Like, I, I don't want to give this, a, like, I don't want to just throw it away. Mm-hmm. I want someone to take it, but I don't know who to give it to you. I mean, it's kind of like giving away our trash, right? Like, this is broken here. Do you want it? <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. And so we put it out on the curb thinking, like, somebody will come and take it, and then it won't get, you know, trashed. That's not what happened. Okay. So Ella and Chad are outside, and the garbage man comes by and just takes it and chunks it in the back and then crushes it, like, into a thousand pieces. Oh, wow. And you can see Ella's little heart break. She's oh. like, that's my Mary. Oh, that's my <laughs> terrible. So I'm still kind of, like, dealing with Processing the loss that. of our wow. scene from last year. That's very sad. I mean, it wasn't blessed. It was just... You know, what, hey, like what do you do with those? Yeah, the, the, those kind of objects just that are broken. Yeah, it's okay. We have a new one now, and it's all light lights up. And we decided last year was like our reverent nativity scene, mm-hmm. and Rachel said this one is Vegas Jesus. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so we're like yeah. Jesus. Stella's been sick, and she came down the stairs one night, and they have a uh, joy spot mm-hmm. out on, on their and lawn, it lights up, and joy. it lights up, and Stella comes down, and she goes. Mom. Megan has A, B, C, D, E, F, Gs in her yard. <laughs> That's, That's great. And the light. She, she loves it. So We were th- talking about <clears throat> hanging joy over the nativity oh, scene. That was cool. when we were like, okay, maybe that's a little too yeah. much. Slow down. <laughs> break it down. Break it down. Slow it down. That's so funny. That's one funny. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so we've had you on the, the podcast a few times. So um, I wasn't going to do like silly questions per se, but I have one question in mind that kind of segues into um, what I – what your story as of late has touched our hearts regarding, if that sure. makes any sense whatsoever. Um, but so this podcast is about, you know, sharing stories of hope in our lives so that our listeners can know that God is working in their life. And you have so many just incredible stories of God's providence, just loud and clear um, from you receiving your ring to mm-hmm. um, going to France when the whole world was shut down. And, you know, all these little things are just incredible. Do you have a favorite or one that stands out the most like, oh my goodness, in mm. all? It, that's an interesting question. I I sometimes wonder if I'm guilty of not forgetting, but um, mm. when you're just going forward uh, and God is doing the work, not holding on to anything, like it's my own. Um, but there are definitely, I'm trying to think. I might need one second there for, for that okay. one. Okay, so what you just said made me think of something. We were talking about today that the part of what we want this podcast to be about is um, being in the will of God, like mm-hmm. going with the will of God. And what does it look like to really follow him? And, mm-hmm. and just that moment of like knowing that you're called to something and then acting. Or maybe later on you realize, oh, that I was acting in the will of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was writing in my journal one day, and I was writing just kind of like these like – this gratitude of, Lord, thank you so much for, for X, Y, and Z and for whatever it was that you called me to and I did. And I started writing about, um, will this ever get normal to me? Hmm. Would it be normal to, to see you doing something miraculous? Mm-hmm. Right. And do I want that to be normal? Right. Mm-hmm. Or do I always want this to be like awe-inspiring and shocking mm-hmm. and kind of living in that in-between? And that right. really is like your life, right? Like you, you see this so much 
right. of what God's doing around you. So I, I see what you're saying. Sometimes you can kind of like... And I, and I think there is something notice. about not forgetting what God has done, and it's mm-hmm. always great to go back. I mean, because I live, really, it's the great trust experiment, you know. Um, <laughs> I have this deal with the Lord of, I will go and do what you ask of me, but then um, and you will take care of me. And so, especially when it comes time for the bills to be paid at the end mm-hmm. of the month, mm-hmm. um it's always kind of like, okay, I only have this, you know, mm-hmm. in my bank account and uh, I'm going to have to pay the rent, you know. And somehow during those times I have to go back and like, you've always taken care of me. Um, mm-hmm. It's not about the number that I see when I open up my bank account. It's really going back to remember that every time I've trusted you, I've never, you've never failed me. So mm-hmm. there is definitely um, a sense of remembering that I think where I say I, I forget is that when you're going in empty and doing whatever God is asking you to do um it was never mine to begin mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. so I I think I was just trying to remember the story even of um what Ashley Binger of her daughter Edith and it's so funny because I think you told me you were going to record with her and that Sunday <laughs> the priest who I know he's like Hello, Edith. And I said, uh, my name is Esther. But oh, I just thought funny. that was funny oh, that, that he, funny. it was before you, I think, recorded. But I just thought that was, I kind of chuckled to myself um, that, that that was the name he came up with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 so I went back and just kind of looked at the pictures and even the text messages between Ashley and I during that time. And, yeah. you know, just trying to remember that moment of, of God kind of making it clear to me um, what he was asking me to speak and to pray so I mean if I was going to say what what is a favorite one of mine I think the right now the most current kind of favorite was just something recent Mm -hmm. Um, I went with a friend to visit her uncle who's a priest uh, right before he was dying so it was actually a very sudden um, prognosis so he Mm -hmm. was on his um, vacation for you know, I think in the month of October, he takes time off and he, um, he went skydiving. So this is something he does. It's a, a kind of, he's kind of like the skydiving priest. Oh and goodness. he has an incredible story where he, um, he's been through a lot. I mean, he was sexually abused by three priests when he was young. Oh my um, it's in Lafayette, um, Louisiana. I can say this cause he shared it himself, um, mm-hmm. openly. And then he fell away from God and, was just going like a hundred miles an hour in the opposite direction. And then he actually, he was, he was, um, stabbed in kind of, well, being exactly kind of following that life and kind of following a life of drugs and, and all these things. And it was a six inch knife and it was, the gash was really large. He was taken to the hospital and the doctor who saw him said, if a surgeon had even made this cut, you would be dead. This is a miracle that you're alive. Wow. And, um, there was kind of, he had a real experience of the Lord and he turned around and he decided to become a priest for God. That, mm. Wow. And so he, um, he came, you know, as we all know, the church is going through a purification. There's a lot, mm. you know, it's not one day that we hear, Oh, another priest, this, another mm. priest, that, but, but in the midst of that, somebody who had been hurt by that deciding, first of all, to receive the mercy of God for himself and then also to, to give that mercy. And those two things go together very, like you can't receive God's mercy 
if you can't give his mercy. And so him becoming a priest, he kind of always had health issues throughout his life. And yet he became this priest who just preached the gospel and lived the gospel. And so when he went skydiving for this, you know, this kind of break, he was planning to come visit his niece and he had his whole vacation planned out. At the end of that jump, he felt very uh, ill and he has a very strong tolerance for pain. So in 2017, he had one foot amputated. He almost died. And then he ended up actually going by himself to Australia to have a surgery and he got a prosthetic foot. And so skydiving is like a huge thing because he's, he, uh, yeah, he's just kind of a a very extraordinary priest with, how old was he? He was 60 years old. Okay. So he, at the end of his jump, he, he realized he wasn't well. He went to the doctor and found out he had tumors all over his body. And so this was about a week and a half before we went to go visit him. Oh my goodness. I didn't realize it was that fast. Yeah. So his niece it was interesting because she felt the urgency of it and she had invited me to go with her. And, um, I knew as soon as he, she said that, like, yes, I'm supposed to go. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I was already, I had already traveled quite a bit. And so it was like a kind of an extra trip and I was going to turn around right after that trip and travel again. So, but I was like, nope, this is what I need to do. And so I kind of cleared my calendar and, um, got on the road and that whole trip was we really kind of began that trip really in prayer and giving it to the Lord and saying okay God whatever you want um for for his niece um she she was visiting a place where she's had a lot of history and so it was almost like her own private um not illumination of conscience but like going to a lot of the places of her childhood a lot of places where maybe she wasn't living in grace and maybe Mm. also where she had been harmed and I don't feel as free to tell her story. I mean, I think she's told it as well, but she also had a, she had a place of abuse in the church and she's worked, mm. um, she's kind of worked with victims of abuse. So going there, we stopped at a, a parish and at this parish, there's the little saint, they call her the little Cajun saint, Charlene. Mm-hmm. And that was her uncle's first parish. Wow. So where this young woman whose cause is up for canonization, really? um, wow this parish kind of in the country and you could walk into the church and see the beauty, um, that this priest brought to this parish. Like he mm-hmm. really, um, you know, your basic sixties church, mm-hmm. um, you can see you walk in and you see, I'm first of all meeting this priest by the work of his hands, you know, and by his love for God and his love for what is sacred. And then on the way, I, I think we, um, we were going on the way and we got a phone call right after leaving that parish, we were just thanking God. We were, we were actually just thanking God, like how beautiful, how beautiful, um, this priest. So it's so funny because, uh, the priest's name is father Dan Edwards and he, uh, his mother helped a lot with his parish. So they had like gold guilt and stuff like that. She thought like, Oh, this is where he's going to be forever. So she really invested everything. And then she's like, wait, he's going to be moved, you know? Um, so it was just kind of a funny thing, but her, my, his niece, her old neighbor where, you know, like the kind of neighbors, like, I guess like the two of you where the kids yeah. are in each other's houses. She got a phone call that their youngest son, it's a family of nine children. Their youngest son uh, had died that early in the morning that day. So November 1st mm-hmm. in a car accident and six months earlier, um, they had lost another son. So they, this is two deaths of children within six months. So that really brought like a, a, a deeper level of sobriety and kind of, okay, let's just stop for a moment and listen. Mm-hmm. 
And then the next day we went to go visit father and he's kind of at his house. We didn't know who was there, but we're on our way. We stopped at the cemetery to visit her father who had died pretty young. Mm. And um, I brought the relic of the cross with me. And actually, so I was leaving and there's, I think this was taught, this little boy, this little boy saint was talked about in the, your last podcast, Aloise. Mm-hmm. So the story of Aloise is, is his own story. Um, mm-hmm. But basically he died um, in his parents' backyard. He was, he drowned. But, but there, what was so incredible about this was that his parents, um, the way they lived through this was so open to the Holy Spirit and to God and and also allowing each of their children to fully see both, you know, the sorrow and the victory of the cross. Hmm. And I was a part of that story. And so Alois is this little boy who laughs at me and he messed up my whole life and he laughs at me. And, <laughs> but, you know, there's times where I'm not as aware. And and what happened, like, Alois kind of lived 24 hours um, after he drowned. And in these hours and then in the night when they were at the hospital with Aloise, um, you know, I had been with them, been with her family, um, and the father Benoit had brought his, you know, brought the rest of the children home while Marguerite, the mother, stayed there. And I remember the last thing I said to her is like, don't think, just pray, Mary is with you. And um, mm-hmm. when she retells that story, she said, I, I, she doesn't remember much. She's like, I just heard the words, don't think, just pray, Mary is with you. And I let her take over. And so she just was with her son, you know, looking at his little toes and just being with him in this. And when Benoit returned in the evening, after all the children were settled and um, they were taken care of by a lovely woman, uh, they felt called. It was just moved by the Holy Spirit, like totally open to whatever God's doing, but they just had this deep call. Like, Lord, if you're asking for our son back, um, we want you to use him. Hmm. We want you to use, use his purity. And so this is a French family. So Benoit in, in, in French kind of very like intensely is like, like use him for all the, like his purity. First of all, to break open the hearts of young people mm. uh, for those who are sexually abused, for those mm. who struggle with same-sex attraction or sexual mm. addiction, like use his purity, use his beauty. Like, but you know, I, it wasn't like, oh, and tap, tap, tap. I mean, it was mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm just the cry of his heart and for his mother really she offered like lord like use him for a priest and religious and um so so this was kind of this this prayer they had a big prayer really Mm. that they they prayed throughout um (laughs) they prayed that evening and they didn't really say anything about it until till later um i came back on the 13th of september you know sunday Father Dean uh, was also, he came, and we, all the children were back, so that Benoit had called to ask if we would come, and we were going to have a communion service, mm. and um, it was, so Alois was, you know, at that time, in the arms of his mother, and the pics with the host is on this bed, and we're kneeling, we're reading the readings of, of the day, and it was just so striking, because the host was there like in the pics and right next to it, there was a little bit of blood of Alois from maybe when they did CPR. And it was the most incredible uh, realization of what the Eucharist is. I, I can't even describe 
that moment just looking at the little white house, you know, and then looking at Marguerite holding her son in her arms. It was really like the Pieta. And um, so he, we had a beautiful, like the readings were just so, like the timing of, I guess the readings, it was the 13th and the next day was the Mm. triumph of the cross. Mm. And the next day, the wake was uh, the feast of Our Lady of Sorrows. Mm -hmm. But at some point, Benoit, Marguerite, um, right, well, right before he died, Marguerite, after each of her children held her son, she beckoned to me like, do you want to hold him? And my patron saint was Our, Our Lady of Sorrows. And I remember making this prayer like, Mary, I, I will never have my own children, but let me live this as if it was my own. Wow. I don't just want to have a devotion to you. Mm-hmm. Um, like, give me your stigmata. Like, what is the stigmata mm-hmm. of Mary? Is that, that piercing of the heart? Mm-hmm. And after that, they came, they came back and they visited me and they said this incredible thing to me that we offered our son for you. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know that sounds, talk about bold and crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you say? Like, oh, thank you very much. You know, that's not, what is the response? And so I remember after they left, going up into the chapel and realizing that if I received this, like if I really let myself receive what they said, and I know what suffering they're going through, but also I see the grace, it's going to change everything. Mm-hmm. And I was really in the struggle of, uh, literally the struggle, and I was kind of like prostrate in the chapel by myself, and I finally said out loud, okay, okay, I receive. And when I said that, um, I heard... <laughs> God the Father, I heard him say, this is what I did for you. Wow. And so it was, it, was the, it was like a moment of recognizing what it means that, that God dies for us. So I say that, tell you the story of Alois. So this, he has been kind of a big part of my life and of my story. And there's a lot more mm-hmm. to speak there that I won't, don't, won't speak about. But as I'm going out the door to visit um, this priest, I hear like Elvis, he's like, hello, I was offered for priests and for those who are sexually abused, like, why aren't you taking me with you? So I just grabbed a bunch of little, like, the little cards with Eloise. And, uh, before you left the house? Right before I left the house. So we came to the, to Father Dan Edwards and I had the relic of the cross, which has accompanied many, uh, people on their journey and their touch of the cross. And I think the reason why that relic belongs to the Loretto house is for people who are at the cross to recognize that Jesus is that intimate with them. Mm-hmm. And we were at first, like, uh, afraid to go in. Nobody was answering the door. We were calling people. There was no answer. And I just had such a deep conviction, like, you're supposed to be here. You need to be the eyes of Mary uh, Mm -hmm. for him. And so I was like, let's just see if the door's open. What Mm -hmm. does it mean to be the eyes of Mary, for him to be able to look and see the I think that if you think about this, what would happen if Jesus was on his way to the cross and he never encountered Saw Mary the eyes of Mary. So there is this way, it would almost be incomplete. It's almost like he needs to be seeing her eyes like, yes, do this. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm going to suffer, you're going to suffer, but we're going to follow the will of the Father. Surrender. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you, I'm sure you know about your husbands that, you know, men need the eyes of Mary, like, are like, the assurance. So they might go do great works out there. They might have these great talks, but there is this way in the intimacy of, of your relationship with your husband. Like they need to see in your eyes, like, yes, mm-hmm. continue to do the will of the father, that mm-hmm. there is a way in which mothers and wives, you give permission for men to be 
great enough to lay down their life. This, and if we don't, I mean, the adverse is, is also, we also can diminish uh, what God is doing mm-hmm. in men. And that is ugly and not beautiful. And But it's something that we have to be aware of. We have to be aware of the fact that there is a great power in our hearts because we're called to such a deep love. And it is the strength of Mary that allows Jesus, in a way, on a human level, to go to the cross. Mm-hmm. And I had a deep sense of, Father Dan, even from, that we were called to be there as he was on this cross and just mm-hmm. to see him, to not fight against it, to not yeah. just to be there. And so we, we, uh, you know, we're having difficulty reaching him and we're like, and his niece was a little bit worried. Like she didn't want to go in, and, you know, like there is when you're going into something that's so, there's so much suffering or, you know, there's going to be difficulty. Mm-hmm. There's that fear. And you're like, well, I don't want to, mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, and maybe, you know, people that there. you're like, well, should I bring food over? You know, like how we have these, yeah. these moments. Yeah. But, Iris said, I'll just try the door. And so I pushed open the door. I said, go through. And so she went in and then she beckoned me and he was in his room, um, just curled up in pain, uh, kind of side on the side, clinging to these two pillows. And I brought the relic and I brought Eloise and right away his face lit up to see Eloise. And he's like, yes, I know him. It was really beautiful. Wow. And, wow. and she, he just like clung to the cross. And then he's like, can you pray for my back? Um, I mean, just, in, he was just kind of like, couldn't really even speak. So we, we kind of really prayed. We went around, we prayed for his back and then he started talking. Um, and he was so beautiful. He said, I just want Jesus. I want to give everything, you know, to mm. him. And he said, um, I can't offer the mass right now, but I'm offering myself. And mm. here was somebody who was so deeply on the cross, but yet so surrendered. And that was so beautiful. Um, as we were, he was, I wanted to record what he was saying because it was so, it was the words of someone who has been fully conformed to Christ. And so he was speaking to us and then he said, can you do something for me? So we leaned in like, what, what can we do? He's like, can you get me a pint of blue bell, cherry, vanilla ice cream and a Coca-Cola? Oh. <laughs> and we're like sure so we went across there was a kind of a grocery store not too far away and we brought it and he was able to get out of his bed for this time and he was sitting on sitting in a chair and we sat with him while he ate his ice cream and um what is so beautiful is that i i love this moment actually this is such a beautiful moment and i'm so grateful to god that i was able to to experience this moment is that he said you know ever since that law passed, so his niece was really responsible for taking away the statute of limitations in the Lafayette Diocese for abuse cases. Mm. Wow. And it was a recent thing that happened. And so she said, he said, um, ever since that law was passed, I finally feel free to be left alone. Because if you're in it, if you're, he's a priest for God, he's living this, but there's still going to be, you know, there is corruption in the church. I don't think anybody mm-hmm. has to we don't have to be naive about that. And there's beauty as well. Mm-hmm. And, but him having, not that he would even want to, he's forgiven them, but it gives him kind of this trump card. And so in a way he was blessing her. He's like, I never would have imagined it would be my niece who did that. And so just the blessing of giving him that space he needed to be fully conformed to Christ, to mm. just totally give himself to Christ. And um, so that was such an incredible moment. And, before we left, um, so I brought my sword with me, and the reason why awesome. is because his nephew, his nephew, 
who adores him and loves him and who says, I'm going to be the next, I'm going to be the first American Pope. Like, and he doesn't say that with pride or arrogance. He just, he already thinks he's a priest actually. Like when he found out about his uncle, he's like, I'll just give him an anointing of the sick. And he'll be like, ta-da, I'm better. You know, he's just this very beautiful, he's seven or eight. Oh, he's beautiful. And he, um, he's just a real prophetic and very, very beautiful child. Um, so some, every once in a while, I lend him my sword, and he knows the power of the sword. He'll tell people, like, this is the sword of truth. You can't lie and hold on to this sword. And he fights the devil with it. And so one day... Uh, so, his... by the way, Esther has an actual sword. <laughs> it is a it's, real it's sword. Amazing. And it's awesome. Okay, so, yeah, on. there was this one day his, his family had to go to an Airbnb while they were getting their house fixed up. And he walked in, and he's like, I don't like how it feels here. And so mm. he asked for... So I brought, like, holy oil and... Mm-hmm exercise salt and I brought the cross and that night his mom sent me a picture of him um lying at the foot of their bed sleeping holding the cross wow Wow. like he is gonna defend you know and so we showed that to his uncle and he was just so he's like yes he definitely has a special call so I brought the sword to take a picture of his uncle holding the sword for him since he wasn't able to come Mm. so yeah that so this I know this is a prolonged story but it it connects to these kind of big big prayer. So as we were, you know, it was beautiful because we were leaving and I said, can I have your blessing? And then I ended up kneeling very much like a Joan of Arc. I was holding onto the sword on one knee Uh and I received his blessing and it was really beautiful. Mm. That's poetic. Mm -hmm. It was. And I was like, oh, like it was this moment. I felt it was a moment of great gravity and grace. And I was almost wishing like, oh man, I wish I had a picture of this. Like, cause it was so (laughs) profound and you know, after he, he gave his blessing and and we were leaving, then the next thing we were going to is to visit this family who had just lost mm-hmm. two, two, two boys. And that's that's a story that I can also share, but mm-hmm. I think that one of the things that, um, you know, I guess I want to finish this part of the story is that, so after this trip, which was just from beginning to end, super intense, but super beautiful and super graced, I had already intended to go uh, to Volo, which is a, it's outside of, it's like the last suburb of Chicago. It's close to Wisconsin, where my brother, our father Nathan is a priest, and they have what they call 40 hours devotion. It's 40 hours of adoration. It's kind of like the spiritual Thanksgiving. Um, so you have Thanksgiving where you join, but it's 40 hours of just all the parish, thanking God for the graces mm-hmm. for the year and praying. And I have just had a deep sense that I, in my heart for a renewal of the reverence over the Eucharist. Mm. Mm. And I had, a, there was an incident that happened um, at my parish uh, that really broke my heart um, where just a kind of this kind of this people treating the host very, um, whether for ill intent or just kind of this kind of sense of the, like Jesus comes to us to be present in the Eucharist. And I, I feel just as, sadness in my heart when we don't see the gift it is and it's not reverence for that so I had already asked God like what do you want me to do and part of that was just to be at 40 hours of ocean um, Mm -hmm. and just to be there for that that time so on the first Saturday of November which was part of the 40 hours at three o'clock so divine mercy hour father Dan Edwards died Mm -hmm. and the crazy thing is most of his family, they didn't think it was going to go that fast. They didn't believe, yeah. they didn't see the urgency. And they were really kind of like, oh, hey, we need to get him to the hospital for a biopsy. We need to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, which he was resisting. I think he was ready. 
And I think that he, what he saw in his niece's eyes and my eyes was that you have permission mm-hmm. and you are ready. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up going to the hospital. He, and well, here's the funny thing is the funny thing is we actually gave him his last meal. That's wow. Of the ice a cream. pint. Of, and he, <laughs> I think he even references these. She's like, she brought me ice cream. Like in the hospital, he was wow. not able to eat after that. Uh-huh. And, and that was like such a big gift for him. This yeah. cherry vanilla. Blue Bell cherry vanilla <laughs> ice cream. Uh-huh. The crazy thing is he asked very specifically for a pint. And when we went to the grocery store, we're going to get a gallon. And I was like, no, remember, he said a pint. So we go around to the pints, and there's only one wow. cherry vanilla. There's only one. Wow. It was just for him. Uh-huh. And so I just, I laugh at that because when he's like, can you do something for me? We're like, what is it? Yeah. We will do it. We will we <laughs> fill this oath. And it's like a <laughs> pint. And, and then knowing that. You know, you think about when Jesus is on the cross and the different people, you know, or even Veronica who wipes mm-hmm. his face and all these different things is, what, what did we do for Father Dan Edwards? Um, we brought him a pint of, a pint of cherry <laughs> vanilla ice cream. And the beautiful thing is when he ended up going to the hospital, he brought Aloise and, and the relic with him. Oh, and, wow. And so um, I have a feeling that he will be a patron saint for the restoration of the priesthood and for mm. priests, so... Mm. Father Dan Edwards, um, I definitely had a, you know, may his purification, and I really pray that he was with the Lord. I mean, I can't say that definitively, but I yeah. have already asked for his intercession. Um, and it was so beautiful to tell the priests at St. John Cantus, like the community, uh, his story when I just mm-hmm. had just left and have them pray as he was dying. And then just being in front of the Eucharist and mm-hmm. hearing, then getting the news. It was such a beautiful, glorious Saturday. and. Mm-hmm three o'clock and it was just there was a real beautiful so that's like one of the yeah there was just that was probably the most recent and beautiful beautiful thing where where god's working and in the middle of that you ministered to a family yeah so so yeah and that's that's a crazy thing is so megan's husband uh chad i was went to go do a 35 mile walking pilgrimage in oklahoma and he was so excited he's like he gave me his rosary which he his favorite rosary first of all he was driving to someone else's house, and he I didn't did. know where you lived because apparently he's never been to your house, That's which right. is weird. Why have we never taken Chad to the well, Loretto house? Know. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't he's think driving. Chris hasn't, been there either. Chris hasn't either. Maybe not. No, we we run so. away without them and go by ourselves. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so he's driving to someone else's house. He's going to drop something off for somebody at work, and right. he drives by, and Esther's standing in the front yard. And he's like, "There's Esther." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just pulls over and realizes yeah. he's at your house. Yeah. So he, I was just telling him about this walking pilgrimage and he has been really excited about that kind of idea and he just felt called to give me his rosary now this is his favorite rosary he loves this rosary he doesn't yeah. have an he didn't have another one mm-hmm. he's like here like what can i give you and like it was with a so nice manly one and it, it is a very manly it's very saint benedict you know it, metal and it's it's and i you know that is a beautiful gift i thought how beautiful i'm gonna walk with this you know on this pilgrimage mm-hmm. so i had this with me and then after visiting Father Dan Edwards, and that was already, like, so much, we, like, it was really clear that we needed to go visit um, Rock and Jill, this, the parents and their family uh, who had just lost their son. And so if you think about it, I don't know them. Mm-hmm. I, um, and I think his, <laughs> Father Dan's niece, she, she's like, it's so crazy that you're with me because this is what you do. You walk yeah, and, and yeah. you hear this. And so 
we pull up and I'm empty. I'm totally empty. I'm, I'm, we just had this encounter. It's been a full day. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't know what you have. Um, and I don't know when you're walking into a space of tragedy, of mm-hmm. the unexpected and undesired and mm-hmm. like this unbelievable thing that how can we even comprehend that this could happen? And you go into a house, and so there's, like, you know, there's all the, the, the families of the town and all. So there's a bunch of teenagers because he was 16 years old. So mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. in and out, and you have men and women. You have food that everyone's bringing food. So there's yeah. food over the counter, and there's just people gathering, you know, in that helplessness of not having words but yet being there. Mm-hmm. And we're going to walk in. And what was so incredible to me is walking in um, – you know, I'm being introduced and it's like, but it's not like, okay, yeah, I'm a, like, I'm a special person or mm-hmm. like, who is this person? But, and you don't have like a title or anything. No. Like, and I know like, how do you Esther. explain yourself? Yeah. Like, I don't even, I'm like, I'm Esther. She's I, just Esther. Just <laughs> kind of what I do. But it was really amazing because when Jill, she, she saw me and, you know, I gave a couple brief words of instruction, but I said, okay, I just hug you. And I just know like, just for her. It's like she knew, like, there's mm. something strength I can take from this person. So so in those situations, you're even though you have all the people around you, you're the one kind of giving strength. Like, you're yeah. the one trying mm-hmm. to assure them that you're okay. And for her to know, like, I can just rest here for a yeah. moment. And the, the gravity, like, the kind of, like, I can take energy from this person. I can take strength from this person. And so just a the kind of embrace of no words, but God doing what he's doing. And mm-hmm. that kind of really prolonged moment of, okay, like taking that grace. And then her husband, who is just incredible, like I can't even put into words um, the faith of this couple. Um, so, you know, it makes sense. Alois is French. So, and, <laughs> and these are all Cajuns. So he just was wanting to, like I had a bunch of cards, but I gave this card of Eloise to the mother and it, it was just like his smile it's like hey I'm in heaven waiting here um, mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it and I, I don't try to put too many words onto it but that moment of kind of we were just being together and whatever transpired in that moment but right before um, I left I felt I was like oh I'm supposed to give that rosary to him like it was just really clear so I handed um, the rosary that Chad had given me that I had walked on this pilgrimage with and I explained that this was given to me by a father and I was just on this pilgrimage for families and this rosary is for you mm-hmm. and right away he was so moved and right away he's like that's so crazy I was just telling the Lord I wanted to do a pilgrimage wow. and so it was like a confirmation for him yeah and also just it was such a beautiful it was like such a beautiful sense of you know I kind of live on the providence of God, but, you know, people were like, well, I couldn't do that. Or maybe they want to do that, but they have children and they have Mm -hmm. this. And for me, it was such a realization that, you know, I just want to thank the people that have sewed into Loretto House, because I don't want you to think for a moment that, like, that's your grace. Like, like, that's your gift that is being given in those moments. Like, Mm -hmm. because it gives me the freedom to be obedient and just to go and not to be limited in not being able to go. And so maybe you're at home and you're like, I want to, I really wish I could do something for this person that I am so aware that the people who have sewed into 
ministry are it's that their love that's also being given and mm-hmm. it's it was just made me realize you know i mean even you know chad like he he wanted to give something for this pilgrimage but really and truly he gave something to this father who is mm-hmm. going through a suffering that's unimaginable yeah and so that was uh yeah just the, the, just the kind of like the string and the connection of when we're obedient we all have our gifts to give um mm-hmm. that when we give without reserve that gift keeps giving mm-hmm. yeah and I have no doubt that he held on to that rosary as his son was being buried. I have no doubt. So, I, I mean, these these are the stories of kind of, yeah, the, the body of Christ, really, and yeah. how it all works together. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. I think, as I've heard this multiple times, you tell stories, and Kendra actually witnessed once, of you walking into that really painful place and not knowing the family that you're walking into, and even with Ashley and her mm-hmm. story. And... I believe they see the spirit in you. Like there, there must be just this, you know, sometimes you can almost like see a twinkle in someone's eye. You can mm-hmm. like feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Even someone who's not, you know, so attuned to the spirit right. can still feel the peace, yeah. the beauty, the the grace that's flowing. And I think in that moment, you just become this like tangible presence of who God is in the room mm-hmm. because you just are exuding the spirit towards them and then they receive it you know and i I think for me i mean obviously it's it's such a humbling is not even the right word um and i know you're saying you don't it's not you it's it's such a well i no, i i truly believe because it's it's really you know when god called me um out of the religious community i was a part of really where he asked me to be is to stay at the cross yeah and that's where he's called me He's called me to be there. And obviously, we don't really love the cross. I mean, who wants yeah. to go hang out at the cross? I was going to say, how do you receive that kind of message? Okay, I'll um, stay at the cross. <laughs> and, and, and that's where, so to be there, to show the victory at the cross mm. is what God has called me to do. And it's not, it's to be so empty and to be so, like, it's absolutely not about me. And And if, you know, it's to be exactly like so kind of like the clay malleable for God in that moment. Mm -hmm. And also, but then, then that kind of crazy thing is, which to others would be like, what is to carry the authority there? Um, and, and so that's really important is that I'm not coming on my own Mm -hmm. I'm not even, I'm not even in a habit. Like if I was in a habit and I walk in, like there's a sense of like, Oh, beautiful sister. And like right now that's not God's will. I'm just just a somebody. Yeah. I'm really a nothing. And and that's exactly what God needs me to be right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and to be there to be at that place cuz that's where they are. They're at the cross. That they're at the place where all the control and all the plans that I have, they have failed. That they they don't have anything. There's real nakedness in a way. Mm-hmm. And for those of us when when we suffer and we don't want to see, I mean Basically, it's very difficult to fully receive somebody in deep suffering if there's places of suffering in our own heart that we're not willing to really fully encounter. Mm-hmm. Because, well, think about it. Other parents, like, they don't want to think about losing a child. So right. it's almost mm-hmm. like you can't fully stand there because it's it's activating all the fears that you have right. yeah. of, like, that's, like, if I get too close to this, it could happen to me almost. Like, right. it's like this scary... Thing. And God is asking me to be 
to be in the worst possible moment, but then also to magnify the greatest possible grace. Mm. And I know I can see throughout my whole life how God has called me to this from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, growing up on an Indian reservation and growing up where throughout my life, um, being there, and I recognize too, like through my years in religious life, always having this call and always having kind of this place where God has called me, like that's my place in this life is to be at the cross. And it can be difficult and it cannot make sense, but I know, I know that this is where God has called me to be. Mm-hmm. And so whenever you have those moments, so very often, you know, you can have like these fears of like, what am I doing? You know, when you're doing a ministry or whatever, you can have doubt. You know, God doesn't give me consolation to confirm me. He just gives me another person that's at the cross. Mm. And I remember a time where I was really struggling um, because it was, I mean, it's, there was a lot of suffering in saying yes to God. Yeah. Um, I really had to go through being stripped of everything, um, being attacked in my identity, maybe to be really reformed in the identity that Christ has given me. And during one of these periods, I was really kind of struggling. And then I was called to be with a woman who, and a husband and wife who had just lost a child. And the little boy, basically, he his father woke up and his son had died next to him, right? Mm-hmm. So it was such a, just yeah. un- unbelievable pain. And I remember, first of all, just the walking into that situation, walking into the room, and I was with Marguerite. So at the, Marguerite, uh, really, the two of us really worked together uh, prior to their moving to France and walking in. And so we're just like a packed apartment and we're visiting the mother and the father and it was, it's so crazy what you think, like, I guess what I'm saying is it's such a scandal. The cross is a scandal. It's a scandal to bring hope. Mm. And in this moment, what God allowed to happen, even in that encounter was so, it's beyond us. It's so beyond us. It's just not even, how can I even, but like to go right away to see the father and to fight right away, because there's nothing more that he wants to do than just to die. Like he would rather die than a son any moment and to feel responsible. And then for the mother to feel so helpless and just in so much pain. And there was this moment where the atmosphere was shifted in our prayer together. But I, so the next day, I would love to talk more about that moment, but there was this one moment where, so they're at St. William's and it's, it's the funeral and there is the mother and she's at this little white casket and, and she's just like, kind of like the, um, women who are, uh, at the wailing line, she just is in such deep grief. And I see the priests are all lined up to go in the procession, but nobody can reach her. She's in this pain. And kind of where I was, he's like, okay, I'm gonna go with these other mothers who have also lost children. We're gonna sit in these pews. And I was just walking to the pew. Like I just, I'm just gonna go do this. And the Holy Spirit hit me. It was like a, it was kind of like a, really like kind of a, a I don't know, like lightning. And I turned, so she's in the foyer and I'm walking on the other side, like inside the church to go to the pew. And all of a sudden I turn around and I lock eyes with her. And I start saying, you can do this. And then her eyes are locked with me. And then her aunt comes and says, you need to go stand next to her. You're giving her strength. Aww. And then, so then I am with her and her husband and, and, and speaking like whatever God's asking me to speak. And then I'm ready to go back to my pew again. 
And she's like, no, you need to walk down with them. Mm. And so, like, here I am every single time trying to just, like, okay, I do, like, I'm empty. I don't even want to do this. And and every single time, God is like, nope. And through another person, like, no, you need to walk. You need to walk with them. Mm. And then I was going to go back, you know, you need to sit behind them. And so it's like to be that person at the cross that's saying, like, and I remember, like, after that, right? So there was this strength that was being given to her. There was this grace that was being given to her. And she can describe it herself. I mean, maybe I think she's shared that with others, but I just know, like, after that, I was wounded by God. Like, I was so, I'm not angry with him, but I was in this struggle, like, God, why are you asking me to give mother's strength to bury their children? Like, Mm Like, I'm like, am I a psychopath? Like, I, I'm like, I, I, I was really in this place because it was yeah. so evident to me. Like, I didn't, not that I didn't want to be there. I was going to be there. Like, just the rest. We're going to go be. We're going to be at the funeral. We're going to pray for it. And God is like, no. Yeah. No, you need, like, and, and like, to, like, like, it really hurt me in a way to be, to be that eyes and that authority, like, to say that. Like, mm-hmm. that's hard. It's not even hard is not the word. It was, it wounded me. And that, I'll never forget that moment because I I remember like taking a week and really struggling. I was sitting, I was smoking. Okay, everyone. Okay, I smoked. (laughs) I was like part of my fight with God sometimes. Sitting in the backyard, like smoking, like, okay, well then I'm going to harm my lungs. No, Um, but, but like, just like fighting with God, like why? And, and I think that that might seem like, very extraordinary from other people's places but I do think that when we are called to be who we are called to be mm. there is an awe and a trembling and a and a fear and even a wounding like to be wounded by God mm. in a place that like okay God like you're calling me to this and it's too big for me and that I mean if you look at any of the calls in the Old Testament like that's like no <laughs> like mm. and and I remember really being in that struggle and so but it's so needed. Yeah, it, I guess the, it is. It's and so needed to have someone who can stand at the cross with them. And yeah, I mean, it's really crazy for me because God really gave me a clear vision at the very beginning and I wrote it out um, and I even spoke it. Like, I'm like, there's going to be more suffering in this world and we mm-hmm. need, he needs people. But it's one thing to like write that mm-hmm. and to know it and then to say yes to it. And it's a whole other thing to, to really let yourself be transformed into who God needs you to be and it doesn't even matter to me um I guess need can produce mission but for me it has to go it has to be rooted so much deeper Mm -hmm. it's that I'm there and I just love Jesus at the cross and and his people and even love him enough to be honest with him to fight with him um to be wounded by him Mm -hmm. and then wherever he wants me, I'll be. But it's not about even like being I very, I mean, this is kind of rare that I feel kind of permission really from God to share maybe more what I do because there's so many things every single day and so many people that mm-hmm. I'm meeting them there, but there it's held in my heart and it's held in the reverence of Christ. And so I don't often speak of it because it's not mine. You know, mm-hmm. it's not you know, it's funny because a lot of people are like, well, why don't you fundraise? You could tell stories like about, and you know, yeah, I could do that emotional manipulation thing. Not, well, I'm not saying it's complete emotion, but like, mm-hmm. look at the great mission right. that's been yeah. happening. But, but there's some great treasure in just holding those things with the Lord and, and letting 
you know, letting his grace continue and I not touching it, you know, and, and it would be wrong of me. It would be really wrong of me to, to kind of exploit it. Yeah. It would, it, it would take away from the treasury of what God is doing. And so, yeah, it means more radical trust in him for provision. Yeah. It means those things, but, but it's so necessary because right now I'm in a place where I'm, I'm not a mother. I'm not even mm-hmm. a sister, really. I mean, some people call me sister, but like, I'm not, mm-hmm. I, I'm just me saying yes. And that is, gives people permission to, you know, if you're a mother and you're struggling through something that maybe you can't even share with your other friends, like, well, I'm not going to tell you like, well, this is how I raise my kids. Or even there's just this place by being nothing, like I can receive so many more people. Um, right. And yeah. Well, and somehow you relate really well to mothers, which I think is a gift of the Holy Spirit. After hearing all these beautiful stories, mm-hmm. we could go for hours more. You're right. Because you have so many and they're amazing. Can we go back to Ashley's story yes, for a absolutely. minute? So one of my favorites, but this is my favorite Esther story, because I don't know if you even remember this. I think we were at Leanna's house. Okay. And you came up to me and you were like, I just went to see Ashley. Do you remember this? I vaguely remember it. Yes. <laughs> and you were so on fire more than mm-hmm. I've ever seen you and you were like I I was really I was really excited and I was really into it and I, I think I think it might have been much for them I think it might have been a little bit much <laughs> right <laughs> I was like oh Esther because you're always right you're always a lot yes <laughs> and it was so fun so well, tell the, us the crazy thing about about that so I'm glad I, I told a little bit about Aloise's yeah, story because it's a good background is that so it's at it was at St. David's and it was and this is where, the you know, hospital. like the beginning and, and, and like Aloysius story is kind of a very pivotal moment for me. And because what happened when I really received, it was that it just broke open my heart in new ways in the places where I was kind of preserving things and being less myself, that little boy broke it open. And then to go, I hadn't been back at that hospital. Yeah. And when I was called to go see Ashley, I truly believed that it was going to call to like, okay you know, to be with them at the cross as they mm-hmm. were expecting to, to give back their daughter to the Lord. Yeah. And I because was the sitting, doctors had made it very clear. Yeah. That, that was the I, only I didn't have, it wasn't option. like I had any plan. Yeah. I was going to like, and, and for me, but it was like a double thing for me. Cause I was, it went up in the elevator that I remember. Cause you know, when you have moments like that, like you remember all the, like the, okay, there's those plants that are in that hallway and mm-hmm. this is where it happened. And so it was really walking back into the same place where something really extraordinary had happened and where Aloise had died and it was the first time. And so I was feeling very overwhelmed. And as I was going up in the elevator, there was a woman, I think her name was Edith as well. <gasps> and um, and I walk in and I uh, saw Chris Sperling's wife who was... Um, Rebecca. Yeah, Rebecca was there and she... I didn't know that. I was going to visit, and I was like, she's like, oh, you're here. And I said, yeah, I'm going to visit, and I said, I'm going to visit. And she had remembered Eloise. There's a couple of people that actually remembered Eloise, and one of the nurses even took, um, had taken pictures for the family. Um, so there was this really kind of walking back into this place that, in the year of mercy, I was had walked into, and it changed everything. And then, um, so I'm with Ashley, it's the first meeting, I don't know how she's feeling, and she's describing what they're really doing for her, and she's describing her symptoms, and as she's doing that, it's like this thing happened where God was showing me, it's, so, 
Alois, in a way, he was brain dead, right? Mm-hmm. And he drowned. So he was in this place where his body was becoming cold. And, and it was like God was showing me. It's kind of like listening for his narrative. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like, I hear, like, I'm going to heal her. Mm. And that this is going to be a miracle of Alois. And I was shocked by that myself. Um, in some ways, it's easier to let go than it is to hope. Yeah. And so I was kind of surprised myself. I think I was too much. Like what God was asking was like, okay, I can walk with somebody and help them accept. But this was like, no, you're going to proclaim like that it's going to be life. And that is like, because what right away you think about what that is, like what it, well, what if it doesn't happen? Right. What if this? So you can, it's almost like you have to trust so much more Mm -hmm. because you're saying something that's the opposite, right? Of Mm -hmm of what everyone else is saying and it's crazy. And so I just remember very clearly, like Alois is like, no, this one's my miracle. And I do remember kind of like all of a sudden, like speaking to them and I'm sure they're like, (laughs) okay. Uh, Ashley told me the next day, her husband looked at her at one point and said, do we trust her? Is it okay for her to stay? Do you want me to make her leave? (laughs) I I absolutely bet because it was crazy. (laughs) And she was like, no, I think we need her to stay. She needs to stay. <laughs> like, so Ashley knew. She had, like, a heart-to-heart connection with you. And well, she knew I, all I knew is that, and that's why I think I was so excited, was, like, I couldn't believe that that's what God was asking. Yeah. And and I also knew that I was called to hold that hope. Um, I remember texting uh, Marguerite and Benoit, asking them as well, but it was even hard for them. Like, here I, I was kind of, mm-hmm. in a, some way, alone in that hope, you right? Were. Yeah. And everyone was praying and there right. was definitely hope for healing, but it seemed like a, a long shot. And he, yeah, you were so certain. And, and the thing is, my hope wasn't because I was scared of the other outcome. Right. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we pray because we're like, okay, we just don't want anything bad to happen. It was yeah. like, no, God wants to do this. And okay. Yeah. Um, like speak it and yeah. then, you know, live in that hope. And I, well, and I remember too, we had been praying to Fulton Sheen because mm-hmm. he had already saved a baby. Yeah. And I actually had that book in my hand. Oh, funny. And Ashley's husband walked by and I was like, here, take this book. And mm-hmm. I and she read it. And then there were also several other people mm-hmm. that, other different saints that yep. we were praying to. And you looked at me and you said, no, we don't need to pray to any of them. Aloise is handling it. And you're, you're like so, so right. certain with me. You're like, you need to have more hope and you need to trust because this is what the Lord told me, and it's happening, Megan. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, and I like I don't even remember all of that necessarily. You know? <laughs> but I probably was. I mean, I just remember Alois was saying, "I'm going to bring life here." Wow. And and kind of yes, it was. I have his little hair. <laughs> well, it was just it was one little. You know, I received a couple of gifts, but it was just it's one actually. I walked every pilgrimage with that little holy card in the hair, but it's. Why is it on a holy card? Yeah. Okay, because I, I mean, picture just like no, loose hair. No, okay. it's just a piece of hair. It's just like your basic, but you know, why okay, do, why like do Catholics okay. have relics? It's, it's, it's not because we think the inanimate object, you know, is somehow some kind of magic cure. It's it's because we're a part of the mystical body of Christ and mm-hmm. God knows we need tangibles. And, mm-hmm. and in a way, there's a presence of like of trust. I mean, in some ways, if you think about it, Catholics are crazy. Like, oh yeah, here's a bone Mm -hmm. of this person. The hair Mm -hmm. is like, okay, are you sure this isn't like, if somebody's Protestant, they'd be like, 
uh, that sounds like witchcraft. Yeah. Uh, it's a crazy. You know, like they did it all the way all, back in the Old Testament, like absolutely. Abraham that carried around Joseph's bones or something. Absolutely, because yeah. it's a reverence because we because the word became flesh. Yeah. And so it's dignified. The flesh is dignified. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's like you can't why why relics? Because we're incarnational, like that God didn't decide to save us by us becoming less human, it's mm-hmm. to become more human. Mm-hmm. And so there's, I just really felt that uh, Alois is like, no, I'm going to do this. And, um, and I think what's, I guess, I guess you did. And I remember thinking, okay, either by the 13th. Yeah, um, you had so, a date. And then it was the 29th. So I just, because the 13th, there was a big thing that happened. The ventilator was taken, he had, she was no longer on the ventilator and she, they, Mm. they started bringing heat into her body on the, like the 13th. Right. And then I thought he's going to be out by the 29th. And the 29th was when Alois was buried in France. So these are, and it's also the feast of Michael, Gabriel, Raphael. And I believe they were home on the 29th. So, but there was these big strides that were, cause I was just looking through the text messages Uh where she's giving me updates. Um, and it was kind of like this progressive, better, okay, they're doing this. Now they're worried about this. But then it's like, okay, this is happening. And mm-hmm. so I know that there is a, you know, somebody said, well, it's not really a miracle because there's still complications. But actually, I was, you know, mm. it's so what is so amazing to me is, it's you know, miracle. caring, <laughs> caring yeah. for, um, you know, even the long term, like, it's to receive the gift that God's giving. Like, I guess what I'm saying is if somebody was like what we sometimes think is a miracle is if there's no suffering and there's no trial and you just get everything you want, like a genie, right? Everything's perfect. Mm -hmm. And what we don't realize is that a miracle sometimes comes and it reforms our hearts even and Mm -hmm. it molds them Mm -hmm. and it, and it continues to ask for love and hope and Mm -hmm. faith. And the miracle is then the transformation, not just of this child, but the transformation of the family around this child. Yeah. And so what is a miracle is that we are transformed more and more into who God calls us to be. And I have no doubt in my mind um, that, that Edith will continue to be just a light and a, a gift and almost a reflection of God's love in a deeper way, mm-hmm. um, not just for her family, but beyond. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, this is so fun. <laughs> I love it. I could sit here and listen to you talk. For hours and it's so neat because we get to see you live this life up close and it's still yeah. shocking to us so I can't imagine what our listeners are thinking right now hearing it because because it's just unlike anything that any of us have ever experienced and it's so beautiful and it's so countercultural so countercultural just watching you live on your day-to-day yes is it's just beauty I don't know yeah there's just I don't know. It's really hard to explain. I wish and... I could watch it. That'd be cool. It is pretty <laughs> cool. No, no, I, I yeah. um, coming soon to Netflix. No, Lord Jesus, no, no. I, I think um, I still am like, why am I in Texas? Not that I no, but it's yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm from Brainerd Lake, Saskatchewan, Canada. I'm from the wilderness, and I'm in suburbia of Austin. Like it's, <laughs> it's God's joke on me. Yeah. You know. Um, but go look at that wall of babies on the wall. Yeah. That's yeah. why you're in Texas. Yes. Each I mean, I, I have absolutely no doubt that I'm supposed to be here and yeah. I'm not, I just think it's funny to me because, yeah. because the way that he calls us, I mean, if you, if I was in Brave Bent Lake, um, here I am 18 years old, you know, sitting on a rock, 
And then I would never have imagined my life to be here in this moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's not even possible to imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, this is where I am. And I know I, I have just the peace of knowing, um, okay, Lord, I'm where you desire me to be. And yeah. I will go where you desire me to be. Mm. Oh, thank you, friend. That's amazing. Every time I'm with you and get to hang out with you and just talk, there's always so much processing that has to be done. Yeah. So powerful, and just the Holy Spirit just speaks to you so freely. It's beautiful. So thank you for being an open vessel and just being real. Love it. Yeah. All right. Should we do what God's doing in your heart now? Yeah. Do you have so, anything else? Like we should be like, the last question <laughs> we always gonna, ask on you're this show. You ask me first, or I think God's Let's ask uh, you first, or you, you can ask me. Ask I don't care. Oh, you went first last time. I'll go. I, um, no, I don't think I did. I think I actually hid and said, don't oh, call yeah, that's me. True. Don't call me. <laughs> Should I call on you? I can go this time. I am ready. I thought about it before. Okay, I do it. much better with what's God doing in your heart when we record weekly. Uh-huh. It's when we go long stretches because he does so much, then yeah. I forget all of it. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's one thing if it's only been a couple of days, but if it's been three weeks, right. my mind's blown. So yesterday was the first, well, really Sunday was the first day of Advent. So, uh-huh. but yesterday I started the Meg Hunter Kilmer Advent Boot Camp. And I didn't really know what that meant. And I'm also doing a an Advent journal. And so, I don't know, it was just like this new beginning of having this quiet prayer time. And so I sat in the morning when everybody was still asleep and um, had like an hour in the darkness. And so on her boot camp, so what she does is she says, um, read scripture and then spend five minutes in silent prayer. And I was expecting her to like teach me what silent prayer was, mm-hmm. but she didn't. <laughs> and I was like... Well, I don't know what that means. <laughs> what does it mean to, like, silent prayer? Help me, Esther. What does it mean? Does it mean, like, don't think anything? Don't say anything? Don't, like, just complete nothingness? Because hmm. then you're constantly thinking, stop thinking. <laughs> that's what I do. Well, you know, and like, that's what wait, I thought was going to happen. <laughs> but what actually happened was I read the scripture, and the scripture spoke to me in a huge way. It was Isaiah 40. Mm -hmm. And I've read the end of Isaiah 40 of the, you know, we shall soar on wings like eagles. And that's Mm -hmm. been a huge recurring theme for us over the last probably three or four months. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that that was the scripture that she directed me to, I was like, whoa. Mm -hmm. And then the beginning of it was all about Advent. and Well, not Advent, but it was about, like, the coming of the Messiah. And we're preparing for this talk on Friday, and I just felt like the Lord spoke speak through the scripture in a mm-hmm. way that I haven't experienced in a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm reading it just step by step, line by line, and feeling like this just, like he's just calling me on mission. Like he mm-hmm. is sending me out, go. I need you mm-hmm. to preach this. We are doing this kind of. Mm-hmm. That was what I experienced. And then I get to my five minutes of silence, and he spoke to me more clearly and loud, more loudly than I have heard in years. And and even even very pointedly about like, you are going to face more trials. Mm-hmm. This is going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. You be prepared for the coming of more fire. Like, just really, mm-hmm. really pointed. And then he even, like, spoke specifically of a friend of ours and said, like, I need you to reach out to her and mm-hmm. to love her today. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you be there for her and you wrap mm-hmm. her in Mary's mantle and you hold her close and you pray mm-hmm. with her and give her what, you know, give her all my love. And so then we did, Kendra and I did, and she just broke down in tears and been holding this just like shame and mm-hmm. heartache. And and it was one of those moments where the evil one wants to keep you in the darkness. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the light shined on it. And she mm-hmm. was able to like, <gasps> yeah. like take right. a deep breath. Mm-hmm. And and so that was yesterday. 
So I was all excited for today's prayer. It did not happen like that on today's prayer. So I learned a lesson. And my lesson was, Tessa woke up in the middle of the night. And so I didn't sleep as well this morning or mm-hmm. last night. So then this morning I was like, well, I'm just going to sleep in. And then I'm going to go to adoration today. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to yeah. mass. And I had this, like, all these things planned. And mass was beautiful. I got to see some really holy people after mass. But what I realized is doing the same thing during the day, there were already all these things on my mind that distracted me in that silent prayer time. And I think part Mm. of why it was so successful yesterday was because there was nothing. Nothing. It was just me and him. Right. Mm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, I can't survive without having my time of silence in the morning with the Lord. Um, In fact, it's like, more and more necessary for me to have silence. Uh-huh. Um, and if I do it later in the, like there's no, it, it needs to be the first thing I give in the morning is that space with the Lord. And so I try to wake up early. Mm-hmm. To, to, that's really kind of been a commitment of mine in the last couple of months. So yeah. So what, wait, what does time of silence mean? That's what I can't quite figure out. Like, <laughs> have I been doing time of silence all along and I just don't call it that? Yeah. If I'm sitting silently reading my Bible and and speaking to him through writing and hearing him speak back to me, is that silent or is it not because I have a pencil in my hand? I think it's allowing an openness in a relationship for another person to give you something that can change you. Okay, that's and, my goal and, always. And kind of to be in a place where it's not even a goal of silence. Like there's like yeah. silence has a goal. Um, but I mean like the goal of to... to yeah, I, I think that that's an interesting, that's a whole, that's a whole nother thing talking about silence. But, you know, Cardinal Sarah wrote a book about si- the power of silence. And uh, that's definitely worth reading. Uh, yeah. I think it's one of the most scarce natural resources is silence. So mm-hmm. um, if we don't have silence, really truly silence, um, how can we hear the Lord? Mm-hmm. Right. So Well, it was beautiful. And, and like I said, I heard him more than I have in a long time. But the thing that was kind of a downside to it is usually when he speaks to me, he speaks by like controlling my writing. Mm-hmm. And so then I have it all written mm-hmm. and I can go back and read like his exact words. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't remember everything afterwards. So there's no, I tried to write down It's not something. like there's rules. Okay. Just, <laughs> just, <laughs> just, the rules like, don't don't worry about like okay. just God has his own, like, no, but God has his, it's very important for us to recognize that. There's certain I can ways hear the voice of God, and I can receive it. And I, I'm one person, and each person's different. Um, okay. And, not and a guardian angel is with you too. Okay. So ask your guardian angel to remind That's you. That's what my spiritual director told me today. But but here's one thing that I thought was really powerful about it is sometimes I can get into a habit of if I don't have a pencil in my hand, I can't hear you. Okay. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Kind of like where he took you with having an. A, yeah. A, so maybe he's just trying to strip away these journal. like yeah. yeah these parameters that right. I've put on our prayer and saying like hey I can speak to you even with you have nothing in your absolutely yeah. okay maybe yeah. that's what it is okay that's cool there we go all right kendra okay so mine's not that exciting well <laughs> kind of is uh not really so um he's just been speaking to me in the clouds lately that's great <laughs> yeah. so i love it i don't know flighty i guess yeah that's not flighty. Um, but it just goes back to exodus and the story of the egyptians fleeing and how the lord illuminated the the clouds before them to guide them and um twice now this has happened where maybe i'm just leaving early on these days i don't know but whenever i'm contemplating something that's happening that's a a trial or you know confusion Mm -hmm. or anything like that in the mornings like this the way the sun is rising and it's reflecting underneath the, the the clouds and it's like they are illuminated like they're plugged in just for me and my drive and um and it's such it's become such a, a 
a vision of reassurance, mm-hmm. um, just to move forward and to trust him. And, um, yeah. So There's something quite, I mean, I do sweet. that a lot. Sometimes I start looking at them too much when I'm driving and I realize I'm like in, like, oh, <laughs> I have to drive because I, I always am looking at the sky. I mean, I think, oh, yeah. you know, the creation is the first book of God's love for us. And yeah. so, um, I, I think it delights God the father when we see mm-hmm. the things he put on this earth for us. So, you yeah. know, even like seeing a little flower and appreciating it, it's like, giving like oh god the father put that flower there yeah. for me to be delighted in it and i can be in this relationship with god the father through that yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that, that's yeah. what i tell my kids sometimes too whenever they you know speak of something in awe of you know something that he's created or that they see or and i just remind them like god knew you're going to be here in this moment so he he painted this for you right mm-hmm. right in this second absolutely so intentional yeah yeah it's beautiful yeah. esther what about you hmm. <laughs> Hmm, what is God doing in my heart? Um, yeah, nothing. I'm just gonna <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I really, um, one of the things uh, in the last three weeks that I have uh, witnessed is, first of all, the, the great power and strength of uh, when women really are sisters to each other without bitterness or jealousy or dissension. But I've seen a really uh, big attack in many different uh relationships of women with women because we are truly the midwives to each other's trust in the Lord and yeah. and are and kind of becoming who we are but we also have a culture and world that is totally always framing relationships within a spirit of competition and distrust and so mm-hmm. one of the things that is a privilege for me so I walk with so many different people mm-hmm. and to see the gift of each person and also just one of the things he's referencing is like being very aware of where he's bringing division uh, against women against women. And why? Because when women are united, like anything's really possible. And it's like so, can be so filled with grace. Um, and I speak this because it, there was a, I was just traveling in Montana. There's just all these different situations and where I saw like the, the blind, like the devil like throws up like this idea of how we see someone because I'm oftentimes in a place to receive the suffering of people. So I can know a bunch of different people mm-hmm. and they might see each other one way, but I know I've seen the suffering of that person's heart or that person's heart. It's so it's always like me. I'm like, like God, the father, like, Oh, if you only knew, you know, like <laughs> if you only knew like if, cause I think what is so amazing to me is that when a woman sees another woman's heart and their suffering are there, they're the kind of, their heart it's like you can't help but want to love it and want to to just embrace Mm -hmm. so where does the devil get us is through um kind of the way that we perceive each other because when that happens we don't see each other's heart and there i can give you like nameless like just so many different situations where someone's like, I can't believe, you know, because it's easy for us to get angry because mm-hmm. and to be hurt. I mean, because there's real things. Mm-hmm. But when you go deeper is to see like, wow, there's so much more. And I remember like there's so many stories of St. Catherine of Siena um, taking care of really nasty women, you know, like and and she always kind of I mean, I won't. She did some pretty crazy things like drink past but we're not gonna talk about that. I mean like it was crazy stories Whoa. crazy stories but uh, but that she, that she was very fleshy but uh, <laughs> but the point is like that my great like what God is putting on my heart is just praying into that place um and desiring like I really oftentimes make the mistake of thinking that we're in heaven 
Um, by, by this, I mean, I wanting people to just, uh, they're the love. I guess when you yeah. see your children fighting, how much it hurts. Mm-hmm. 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 So for me, it hurts me, mm-hmm. um, because I'm like, but, but you don't see. And mm-hmm. so I've just been praying into that. Um, in every kind of, I love revealing each person's goodness to another person because that's like what glorifies the Lord. And mm-hmm. so what God has put on my heart is praying into that and being very aware where the devil is bringing division because division is always from him. Mm-hmm. And there's that's division is different than, um, like I'm not talking about physical division or I'm talking about the places where our heart actually has a wall. Mm-hmm. And so where in those places and, and maybe the way out of that is just really praying for the Lord to have sight into and reverence, um, even in what we can't see. Right. Mm-hmm. And so God has really been putting on that, that on my heart because it was almost sometimes because I speak to so many different people in mm-hmm. all different situations, I can kind of see a wave of a hit mm-hmm. of the evil one over, a, yeah. over mm-hmm. a, mm-hmm. and like across like geography and across. Yeah. And so that's one of the, and so that's something that I saw like in the month of November, mm-hmm. I witnessed in different areas of the United States and all over just this kind of attack of the evil one, mm. um, to blind, um, to blind the hearts of women because united there is such a beautiful and, and incredible, there's nothing more powerful mm. really than sisters. That's so interesting because the abiding together podcast just did a four week series on sisterhood and oh, talked wow. about that deeply. So and good. then yeah. what was the other one we listened to? Annie F. Downs had an episode yes. where she talked deeply about See? Told you. wounding and uh-huh. friendship. Yeah. And so it's like, we were listen listening to, to what three or four different types of podcasts like wow. some catholic some christian and they were uh-huh. all talking about that same yeah. topic so, so yeah. see it's a hit because it's like a hit but then it's also like a wave of the, the like, holy spirit the holy grace. spirit yeah. exactly like, this is what i need to pour into exactly you right now yeah and i'm Ooh, telling you like so spirit. having mm-hmm. one a friend like in a friendship mm-hmm. what you can do with a friend is so much more like it's not just like doubling the effect it makes the like the desires the way that we can hold and be midwives to the desires that they're in the hearts you know yeah. our desire to follow god it gives us a boldness to run forward. And I don't believe that God's calling people just to be lone wolves or to be, you know, like, uh, I, I think he's calling friends. He's calling friends. And, yeah. and this is a time where, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a beautiful thing. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, but <laughs> yeah, Chloe. Preach it, Chloe. So yeah, I, I'm excited awesome. because I, I think, mm-hmm. especially during Advent, like what would it be? to be a midwife of Mary mm-hmm. think about mm-hmm. that Elizabeth you know? to Mary because it was I mean honestly mm-hmm. without without Elizabeth seeing the grace in her friend mm-hmm. we would never have received the most beautiful song ever sung mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Magnificat and so allowing that to be like how do I how do I release the Magnificat of my sisters yeah that's yeah. awesome. Thank That's you. That's beautiful. Thank you, friend. Ooh, All right. Really? All right. Bye, guys. That's so good. Yes. Ah, let's do it. <laughs> bye. All right, bye.